0: This is the Sports Fever. If it's a sport, we cover it. And here are the hosts Anthony Colasano, Dom DeRosa, Noah Gugliata, also known as Googs, and Sean Johnson. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sports Fever. Today is Thursday, November 11th, 2021, and I am joined. By almost the entire crew of the Sports Fever, Dom DeRosa, Sean Johnson, and filling in for Noah this week as Noah unfortunately has a family emergency he has to attend to. We wish him all the best. Tommy Franks was kind enough to step in last minute. Uh, Tommy, how you doing? It's been it's, it's been a while since you were on the show. I think last time was when we were uh, at least when I was uh back at school.
1: Yes, yeah, it was back in the winter, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember it was a. Uh, that was a, that was a fun show. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad that you're, that you're back. You're here with us and, you know, ready to talk some overall arching of sports. As I know, uh, me, you and Don, we all have a baseball podcast. And for those of you listening that airs or that is released every Friday at 9am on all podcasting platforms. So be sure to check that out called swing the twig. Yep. Uh, you know, if you're into baseball, definitely check that out. But, Get into it right away. Week nine came and went. Um, the three of us, Dom, Noah, and Sean. We did our pick'ems last week. Uh, we did Packers, Chiefs, Titans, Rams, and Panthers, Patriots. Starting off with Packers, Chiefs, as this game was looked like to possibly be the game of the week. However, news came out uh during the week and it was the headlining news basically all of this weekend is that Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID nineteen. And then it was uh leaked or announced that Aaron Rodgers never got the vaccine uh, vaccine. And this is a big deal for a couple reasons, is that the fact that he wasn't complying with um, so-called he wasn't complying with COVID guidelines and he basically flat out kind of lied. Um, that was that's what's being reported. Aaron has come on the record and said that, you know, he didn't lie. He said that he was immunized and wasn't vaccinated. So he's saying people got the terms mixed up. Um, and this was all said on the Pat McAfee show. Um, but nevertheless, he did not play. Jordan Love stepped in and played in. Jordan Love did not look great. He looked very out of place, didn't look ready, had a lot of miscues with uh with Devontae Adams and you know Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were able to get a win, even though Patrick Mahomes didn't even play that well. Like I looked at the stat line, he he played below
2: average, but yeah, he did, and he really cost me in fantasy and I'm pissed anyway. He continue. did for me
0: too. He did for me too. Yeah, I just think you know. I think uh, more and more people starting to analyze and realize that look, like what he's doing now. and We've said this before, all of us at one point or another, is that he can't be doing the same stuff anymore. He's got to change it up. You know what he did a couple years ago just isn't working, and it's just showing that even with you know facing a team like the Packers with no Aaron Rodgers, you should be able to put up some points, and also against a defense that also that the Packers have that isn't really that great. And he's still not putting up the numbers. So it is very concerning. Um, And people are wondering, is he ever going to turn a corner? Um, Because it's not happening anytime soon. And people think, people were saying, I should say, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But it's not happening. So um, we just have to wait and see about that. Uh, The second game we did, Titans, Rams. Um, We chose this one. As we thought, it was going to be kind of a good game, even regarding the fact that Derrick Henry is likely out for the season with that um, ankle injury. And I want to say, the the Titans won that game. Yeah, so we mm-hmm. did. So me and Sean got that game right, Dom. I'm sorry, but you lost. Sorry, no, sorry. That, that
2: that's okay. As long as, yeah. wait, you
0: guys picked the Titans out, right? Yeah, that's they bold. Did. That's, did. Yeah. that's bold. Yeah.
2: They dead ass did.
0: Yeah. So so yeah, so me and Sean picked them and then Panthers, Patriots. This was a clean sweep. We all picked the Patriots. Uh I finally listened to myself and Chris or for or known to us as Wreck It as, you know, without Christian McCaffrey really, the Panthers are kind of a no show. Even though I think he's actually coming back, I think this week. So mm. maybe their fortune could turn. Dom, you don't think so?
2: Even if he does, what good are they with Sam Darnold leading the pack? You know,
0: I mean he. I mean Sam Darnold looked good the first couple weeks, but I just think that um, I think having McCaffrey just kind of helps him, right? So, but anyway, so those were our Week Nine picks. Now going into Week Ten, I have three games uh, to choose from. Uh, Tommy, since you are the guest of the show, I'm going to go to you for this one. Browns Patriots now this is an interesting game Patriots are at home and you know the Browns are coming off a nice win and coming off of no more Odell Beckham which we'll talk about uh in a little bit but who do you have in this one
1: I never liked the Patriots look the Bengals impressed me in uh Cincinnati um they just or I'm sorry the Bengals the, the Browns looked really good in Cincinnati Um uh, running the ball they played really well defensively I thought um really a complete game and I think um, on the Patriots side, they just don't look um as far as defensively speaking, uh they don't look that strong on the rush. I think there's a lot there's too many weapons on Cleveland offensively, uh, especially in the run game that can damage New England. And that I know they're the underdog in this game, they're on the road in Foxborough. I know it's gonna be tough, but that, that run game is gonna be awfully tough for New England to uh stop.
0: No, yeah, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. When those two guys are healthy Chubb and Hunt, they're the best duo in the NFL. You, you can't compare the two. Yep. John, I'll go to you next.
3: Uh, you know what? I'm not a big fan of the Browns. Personally, I don't think Baker Mayfield is that good. I did have a good week last week uh, for the first time without OBJ. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just not really sold on them. I've said this a couple times now on the podcast that I'm not really sold on them. And uh, somebody that I really do like who has been impressing me, you know, week after week is the Patriots. Uh, Mac Jones, I think he's the real deal, something we've also said plenty of times on this podcast. So that's going to be my pick for this game.
0: All right. Okay. So we got Patriots and Browns. This isn't a clean sweep. Dom, who do you have? Are you going with Tommy or are you going with Sean?
2: Wait, who's at home? Who's at home?
0: I, I want to say the Patriots. They are. are... They are. They're in Foxborough.
2: Yeah. All right. This is a toughie. This is probably one of the best games just because Odell's gone, Baker wishing the best. The Browns just tumbled on the fakest team in the Bengals. Patriots, I think they're underestimated because Mac Jones is solid. They got a good game. This is really tough. I'm just going to go with New England because they're they are they're in Foxborough. That's the only reason I think it's going to be a good game. But uh, and for the Browns, didn't, didn't Nick Chubb just test positive? Did we talk about that?
0: Yeah, Nick Chubb does have COVID. He's, right. he's been out for a while, so, so he might be back this week.
2: Okay. So I'm going to go Patriots by uh, this. Get on with you.
0: Or actually, wait, or or did he just test positive? I think you're right, Don. I think he did just test positive because now I think about it, because I have him on my fantasy team. I think I got a notification that he has COVID, and I think I was, like, in the elevator at work, and I was just, I was just, like,
2: <sighs> shaking your head.
0: SMH so I think you're right so maybe he's not going to be back and they may have to rely on Kareem Hunt but I think he's yep. hurt too So uh, that, like that changes my pick a little ability. bit so I don't know if but that's hey, true I,
1: that's, that's, that's big
0: but I'm still sticking with the Browns on this one I think that with Odell gone and with actually ooh, I don't know That run—I've said it before because that run game kind of drives that team, and I know dell has gone. Hmm.
1: I mean, it's not like he was contributing anyway. He was out most of last year when they were doing their damage.
0: That is true. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Patriots on this one. Kareem Hunt Hunt won't return for Sunday. Sorry. Yeah, so I'm going with the Patriots. Knowing that there's no Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb got COVID, you know— Hopefully, they're running back whoever it is. I, I feel like I want to – I know who it is because he did play well when both of them were out, but I can't remember his name. But anyway – Johnson.
3: Durnish Johnson.
0: Yes. He had, he had a phenomenal uh, week when those two were out. He had like 12, 12 attempts, over 100 rushing yards. I think he had a touchdown or two. Uh, he played well, but I think, you know, when you know they have Harris in the backfield, um, Mac Jones has steadily improved uh, week after week. And I think that with the with kind of all the stuff that's ensuing with the Browns, even though they won and people are saying they're on the right track, I wouldn't um I wouldn't put it past Bill and his coaching staff to kind of pick apart the Browns without uh their dynamic running duo. And uh moving on to the next game, Chiefs Raiders, uh Dom, I know this is kind of your team and You know, you guys have had uh, an interesting couple weeks and you're facing a Chiefs team that even though they won last week, they are still not this unstoppable force. They do have holes. They are now a humanized team uh, to a certain degree. So who do you have in this one? Are you rocking with your Raiders or are you going to go with Casey and hoping that your boy Patty Mahomes has a good week for you in fantasy?
2: You know, it's really tough. First off, I don't know if we officially signed Deshaun Jackson. Is that true? Uh
0: I know he I know he got released. I don't know if you guys officially signed him.
2: You posted it on it on like social media and stuff like that, but like Yeah,
0: he is. You tough. guys you guys do it's have to true. Sean Jackson,
1: yes.
2: This is tough boys, because the Raiders are home. They lost Arnett because he was being a dumbass on social media. They lost Henry Ruggs because he was being a dumbass when it came to you know, decision-making. Uh, this is tough. <sighs> like, the Chiefs don't look unstoppable. You're right. Like, I'm really wondering. I didn't think this through. Oh, man. I'm going to go with the Chiefs, sadly, unfortunately. But I don't think they're going to dominate.
0: All right. Dom's going against the ground on his team.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, it's my Raiders. I don't expect anything great.
0: You know what? I do expect something great. That's why I'm going with your Raiders. Oh. Look, I th- I just good think pick. we're just, I mean, this, I've said, I just said it earlier. This chiefs team has holes and they're not themselves. Patrick Mahomes had another crappy game last week. And, you know, he got lucky because he had a, he based Jordan Love, a rookie quarterback, who his first game was against the, the chiefs. And I think he's going against Derek Carr. Who's had some success, who, um, is doing much better since the, you know, John Gruden uh, firing. And I just think they're just, uh, they're just a better team. And like you said, I mean, the Raiders are home and I'm going to put, I, I give that to them slightly just because of the fact that they are home. So, Tom, I go to you next.
1: If you bet on the Kansas City Chiefs on, the, on their point spread specifically in the past uh, year or so, you would basically be bankrupt at this point. Um, looking uh, if you bet on the Chiefs exclusively on their spread. Um, that also contributes as well to Mahomes' bad play this season. There is no doubt in my mind um, that the no matter win or lose, the Raiders would be the best bet here because there's so much. They're the home dog. There's a lot. I, I just love the Vegas crowd, too, at their home games. I think that's a really, really good energy as well. Not to mention they just signed to Sean Jackson. Uh, defense is still impressive. Plus, it's a bounce back game considering they just lost embarrassingly in North Jersey to the Giants. There is no better way to go than, than the Raiders. No doubt in my mind. Screw
2: it. I'm picking the Raiders. I
1: it, it, you're just gonna go 180, right?
2: I'm looking. I'm gonna look like the biggest like douchebag as a Raiders fan. And you will if if Sean especially picks the Raiders, I'm going Raiders too.
1: Okay,
0: Sean.
2: Uh, Dom, I've got some bad news for you. I'm
0: not going to
3: go with the Raiders. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm getting real tired of thinking, oh, this is going to be the week where the Chiefs finally bounce back. You know, we're finally going to see flashback Patrick Mahomes, flashback Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, all of them. This team is going to be clicking again. You know, like I said, I'm sick of it. But I do think this is the week that they return to that. As much as I hate to say it, you know, this Raiders team, I don't think they're as good, or dumb as their record no, makes show, it. especially after a loss like that to the Giants, which, you know, I, for one, as a Cowboys fan, can't be talking after uh, we just lost to the Broncos pretty bad. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think this is definitely just a bounce-back game for the entire season for Patrick Mahomes and the rest of the
0: Chiefs. Boy, I hope you're right, Sean. That's the second week you said that. You said that. You said hey, that. last, hey, last week, week
3: too. last week I got it right, but unfortunately, it was not pretty.
0: So. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean, you got to right that they won, but statistically, they all they played terribly. It's just the Packers just played worse. So
3: I mean, they they barely beat Jordan Love. So
0: yeah, exactly. That's when you're like, Ooh. but anyway. All right, the final game that we have on the board: Vikings Chargers. Uh, two of the more kind of teams that you think would be kind of good and up there with the elite crowd, but they are a little bit inconsistent. You know, the Chargers are kind of, I would say in my case, are trajecting more upward um, in terms of their future play. And the Vikings are kind of staying a little bit stagnant, just in more the fact of their quarterbacks that they have, the Vikings having Kirk Cousins and the Chargers having Justin Herbert. Um, You know, with that being said, um, I – Listen, I love me some Justin Herbert. I think that their weaponry can is at the same level as the Vikings with, I think, the wide record core with um, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen versus Justin Jefferson and Adam Phelan and then Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler. I, you could put Dalvin Cook slightly above Eckler, but when it comes to quarterback play, I put Herbert way over Kirk Cousins at the end of the day uh, just in terms of just pure raw talent and consistency. Um and I just think that I just listen, I just love the Chargers. I'm being biased I have the Chargers winning this game. And the Chargers are home. So keep that in mind. Uh who am I gonna go with here? Tommy, who do you have?
1: I have to agree with Anthony. It's it's too easy of a pick for me. Um I don't think this is a trap in any way with three points, but uh, you know, the Chargers are just a uh, a solid matchup here for the Vikings, and I, I like I like it for the Chargers. I there's nothing I don't like about this matchup, especially with Dalvin Cook. We don't know what's going to happen with him. That's kind of up in the air. And just imagine if he doesn't play. So um, he's kind of their end all be all in this situation against the Chargers. If he doesn't play, um, every advantage goes to L. A. In my opinion. So gotta ride with the home team.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Because we don't know what's happening with Dalvin Cook. You know. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and 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 we'll get into that late later on after these picks. Yeah. Um, Sean, I'll go to you next. Who you have in this one?
3: Uh, you know, I think I've got upset city in this one again. Um, I'm going to go with the Vikings. Uh, they just had a pretty tough game against uh, the Ravens, which went into overtime that the Ravens actually uh, ended up winning uh you know i think the vikings they're just they might be sick of losing these close games man i think they've had somewhere that what are the how many games have been played so far like eight nine
0: yeah around that, like they've, that. Lost, they've lost a lot of close they've had a they've had probably the, the a lot of they have had
3: games. i believe maybe seven or eight games that have gone down to like the final minute so i mm-hmm. think they're going to keep this one close but i think this is going to be one of those ones that they pull through
0: Dom, do you think the Vikings are pulling through or no?
2: Listen, listen. I love Sean. I think he's a great dude, but man, are his picks bold? <laughs> oh
3: man! Hey, I mean that's what you guys were saying last week too, and look what happened. I went
2: undefeated. So right, you're right and, you right, Shawnee J. And you know, this the Vikings play tougher than what they show. They do, you know. The Chargers, they got some Swiss cheese. They got some holes in that team a little bit. They're talented, you know, but they got to get better. But just, I'm going to go with the Chargers. I have a good feeling about it. At home. Justin Herbert throwing absolute bombs into the end zone, and that destroyed me last week in fantasy. So that was unfortunate. Uh, give me LA. All right.
0: Okay. All right, so Dom's got LA. So those are the picks for this week. Uh, we'll recap those next week. And moving forward, just so quick, other NFL notes and news that's happened. Obviously, we kind of mentioned briefly about – or at least I mentioned briefly about Aaron Rodgers testing positive for COVID. And there's this massive uproar within media and the NFL about him not being vaccinated. He was on the pet McAfee show, tried to explain himself. Um, people upset. It really didn't do him any good. It kind of made it, him look kind of worse in a sense. Uh, Real quick, guys, what did you think of the whole Aaron Rodgers kind of situation at hand and how he kind of handled himself um, in terms of talking about it and explaining his reasoning uh, behind it? Because they had to be vaccinated uh, to um, not play, but in order to like have some leeway in terms of like having the mask on and stuff like that. So how do you think he handled that?
1: I thought he handled it well. I didn't want to get into a big vaccine discussion on it, but rather with Aaron Rodgers' situation. Um, I don't know. It's a hard. It's a hard situation. Um, I think in this in this role, and I'm not. I'm not one to like push people. I believe in personal choice, especially with the vaccine. I would encourage people to get it, but um, when you're a guy like Aaron Rodgers and you have protocols that are in place, like the NFL's, I feel like there's some sort of. I don't want to say obligation. But there's some sort of duty there that you have to take care of because look what just happened now, and 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 consider the protocols that are in place. You may not like them, but they're in place. And you know, I don't know what fines are going to be handed out to the Packers. I think they just got hit with a couple um, from the NFL just I think today. Um, but you know, it's it's a hard situation. But I think if you're Aaron Rodgers in his position of leadership and the amount of communication you have with all those guys on that team. Um, I feel like there's I don't know. I don't know if if obligation's the right word, but you do have, you know it it's it's highly encouraged, I think, for someone in his position.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that of his stature and of his uh I guess so called celebrity status, you kind of have to address it and kind of um own up to it and you should have owned up to it earlier. Um but that's besides the point. I mean, Domitian, do you have anything to add or do you want to speak about it? Or are you kind of just kind of just at this point, kind of sick of talking about these athletes and COVID and not getting shots and not complying and whatever.
2: Who me? Sorry. Was that me? Either or. Oh, um, no, I get you. Listen, I think there was a while ago. I think Roger said this where I honestly give him credit. I don't give a damn. You know, I don't want to get political with it because I can give it down. But like Rogers was saying, it's funny how, you know, I get a social distance when I'm getting lunch with the team and I got to go sit by myself. I got to do this. I have to have surroundings all around me without, you know, six feet apart as well. But then turns out when they get in a huddle, you know, and they're actually playing football, they're sweating on each other and breathing all over down their necks. Um, I don't know. I think it's kind of ridiculous when it comes down to it. He's going to get hammered for some political reasons I don't want to get into. Um, it's sad. And then Stephen A, of course, is just going to try and make content out of it uh, with the things yeah, he it's, does. it's
0: so funny watching him calling him this bad man and that uh, he's so great. Stephen A
2: is ridiculous himself. And, and, so, and, so and then him,
0: him just say he's a disgrace and he should be a father I'm like, dude, like you're so two-faced.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's ridiculous. I feel bad for the guy, Rodgers. You know the media is not going to stick by his side, but it's maybe still possible.
0: Yeah, I just wish that he kind of, like, obviously, right? I encourage him to get. I encourage him to get vaccinated, but I wish he kind of explained it more thoroughly. But by saying like, "I'm not vaccinated, I'm immunized," and kind of explained it earlier in the season, so that people weren't so shocked and appalled when this did come out. Because I feel like that was some whatever whenever he said, I feel like that was just some miscommunication that just kind of just didn't click with either the media or whoever was reporting on it, or if, if whenever he said it, it kind of just got lost in translation. So if that was addressed more clearly earlier on, I feel like we wouldn't be in this predicament talking about him at this very moment in time. Um, You know, with that, Sean, do you have anything to add to that before we move on to the final topic within the NFL?
3: Uh, you know, personally, like you guys said, you know, I don't want to get political about it or anything, but, uh, I, I feel like the way he described it, he, which I, I never heard him say this, but he never straight up said, you know, I'm not vaccinated. He never said, I got the vaccine. I didn't, he just said, uh, whatever what was, it? I'm immune, whatever Immun- you know what it Immunized it is. or whatever. whatever, whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if that's what he should have said and like, you know, he's not lying about that, then I see no issues.
0: All right. Fair enough. All right, so kind of the last kind of final thing regarding fully on the NFL. Actually, two things I should say. My bad. We have a couple more things to talk about. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, I would call him the a former star wide receiver, uh, drafted by the Giants, got traded to the Browns, has been released mm-hmm. by the Browns. He is now waivers, and if he's not claimed uh by thursday which is tomorrow november 11th he becomes an unrestricted free agent and can sign wherever he wants now people have said that he has been a distraction with cleveland uh he has been a complete shell of himself ever since he got traded there um and now that he's gone you know obviously the browns won you know people are saying okay they're gonna turn a corner because there's no more distraction um do you guys think that uh, one was this really a distraction for the Browns or did they just get lucky with the win the day that he got released? And two, where do you think he ends up going because there have been a lot of rumors about where he could possibly be end up. Some are saying New England, some are saying the Rams, a couple of people are saying go back to the Giants. Um you know any thoughts on that?
2: Uh yeah. Uh, first off, I think he was a big time distraction. Look at his way, you know. He got out of New York in an ugly way. He's just a prima donna. He's a diva. He's annoying. Uh, I can't stand OBJ. One catch, and he thinks he's all this fame and glory. It's really annoying. Um, He's a prick, in my opinion. And you don't want to have that in a clubhouse. Uh, And I think the Browns just didn't gel with it. Jarvis Landry uh, isn't the same there either. But the Browns, they're a really strong running game uh, for a team. But when it comes down to it, OBJ had to have a hissy fit to get on his way out. I think his father got involved too, which was kind of stupid. Um, but, yeah, these players have a lot to say. And the next thing you know, they're out or they don't play and they sit out. Uh, like look, look at the Sean Watson, but, of course, he's got more to worry about. Um, but when it comes down to it, I think Odell Beckham, if he goes ring chasing, as much as we're talking poorly about him, I think the Chiefs are going to do it kind of like when Le'Veon Bell went there to kind of try and get one he didn't uh i'm surprised he's not interested in the buccaneers because i heard about chiefs packers and saints are the three destinations that odell's interested in i'm a little shocked with the saints because they lost Jameis winston i don't really know where they're going to stand uh, and the packers too that would be pretty nice if he was with Devontae adams give rogers another weapon but uh who knows i'm going to say the chiefs for now but i think those are rumors. I wouldn't be surprised if a team like out of nowhere, like the Buccaneers, just came in and swooped them up. Maybe even the Rams.
0: Oh God, the Bucks. Yep, the Bucks already have every. They're, they're loaded. They're already, already loaded. I don't. Yeah, like what more could they do? That's just another ego they kind of that Tom Brady has to deal with. Not saying that he can't deal with it, but it's just like, do you really want that kind of in your organization? I mean, Sean. What, I mean, what do you think about this whole Dell situation? I mean, do you want him back? In the NFC East with the Giants, do you want to see him elsewhere? Like, where do you think he's going to end up? And do you think he will be back to old OBJ?
3: No. Um, I mean, he just – he hasn't played in forever. Like, I mean, he doesn't seem like he makes that much of an impact when he's on the field. Who knows if that was just because of his relationship with Baker. But, I mean, regardless, Baker's not a – he's not a – as much as I get on him, he's not a terrible – quarterback so like you know if you can't if you can't connect with baker like good luck going to the giants connecting with daniel jones Uh, obviously going to like one of these stacked teams like the rams or uh you know the buccaneers honestly might hurt him in a way because again like like i just mentioned it's a stacked offense he's not going to see as many targets in a place like that uh i feel like one of the reasons why he was so good on the Giants is because uh, you know number one he he was new in the league not a lot of people had film on him um, but number two he was like the only good thing about that offense Eli would just be like ah uh, sure. screw it I'll throw it up to OBJ and if he's like you know just heaving it to him so I don't know I, I don't see him working out personally for any of the super teams because they don't need a player like him right now Obviously it wouldn't hurt it wouldn't hurt, but I mean realistically I see him going to the Patriots.
1: I have to mm-hmm. agree with that. That's the same that's the same way I feel about it. Um yeah, I, I think the Patriots need a guy like him, Mac Jones, as we mentioned. Uh I did knock on the Patriots defense, but Mac Jones is definitely um a quarterback that is going to be uh rising without a doubt and already is at the moment. Uh for sure, yeah. OBJ I could totally see going to the Patriots. I think that's the more realistic Option, I think the Rams don't need a guy like him; they have weapons as we see the bucks, I think that goes without saying, um but yeah, the Patriots they need a little bit of a boost, I think, and Mac Jones needs a little bit more help um on the offensive side of the ball, and I think that would be a very reasonable prediction as the Patriots,
0: yeah, and with kind of the coaching of Bill Belichick and McDaniels kind of behind him mm-hmm. is that gives him more of like of stability and kind of more of a leadership, not saying that. Um, the Browns head coach, and for the god love of me, I can't remember his name, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, maybe, maybe he just couldn't gel with him and having a guy with such a uh, pristine pedigree like those two in New England could could help him, you know, in the long run for his career. So, uh, obviously, next week will likely report on it. I he'll probably be signed within the next couple of days because he's probably not going to get cleaned off waivers, he's probably going to be a free agent. But before we go to break, I just want to make this quick statement. Um, We did mention earlier about Dalvin Cook. Um, It was reported this week by Adam Schefter that Dalvin Cook was not – he was a victim. He didn't instigate it. He was the victim of domestic abuse and extortion, Um, and there's pending litigation, um, according to his agent. Uh, I know when I first saw this report, I immediately thought that he was the guy – who was the, um, that, he, that he was the abuser in the situation. Um, this is kind of the first time that, um, at least in a recent memory, that an NFL player is the victim in a domestic abuse case, as it's sad to say, but usually when these come out, it's usually the player doing it, not the other way around. Um, so this is interesting. Uh, we don't know his status for the Vikings game, I'm assuming he's likely probably going to play considering that he is the victim and that he's not going to be under investigation in terms of did he or did he not do it considering that, like I keep saying, um, he is the victim. Uh, Real quick before we go to break, guys, do you have anything to add? Um, And were you kind of shocked to see that he was the victim and not the one uh, perpetrating in the situation?
1: I mean, before we came on to record, I I initially thought he was the one being accused and maybe that's, maybe that's just the way ESPN wrote it, but I, (laughs) I, i I thought I just assumed right away like you said like most players normally are just accused of doing something and um yeah that's um that was definitely uh odd for me to to learn after the fact
3: so the case is still being investigated and uh the person who did abuse uh Dalvin. why did I just blink I'm sorry uh yeah sorry the person that did uh abused dalvin cook uh did come out and say that he's abused them in the past so if anything that just kind of seems like a shaky situation relationship going on there so he
0: said she said kind of thing what's really going on yeah
3: exactly so like i said it's still under investigation so we can't really you know put our finger on exactly what happened but Mm -hmm. yeah it's just it's just a sad situation to be on either side of that
0: yeah, it's just unfortunate. I mean, like you would think, right, that these NFL players would kind of look at what has been done in the past, um, as many NFL players in the past have domestic abuse, sexual allegations, all that unfortunate stuff. And you would think, okay, like learn from what their mistakes are doing. But nevertheless, uh, history will forever repeat itself, and you know these players unfortunately just do these horrendous acts. Um, and it's hard, and it's hard to watch, and it's hard to see, and You, and I remember at one point or another, this was hindering ratings within the NFL, um, to a certain degree. I remember at the height of the Ray Lewis situation many, many years ago. And, um, you know, the NFL, I guess, tries to do their best to kind of crack it down, but no matter how much, um, classes or rules they put in place, you know, these players are still going to do what they want because they have all the power, they have all the money, um, and it's just how it goes. Uh, Don, do you want to add anything to kind of this before we kind of wrap up the first segment?
2: I think I'm okay on this part. Uh, Ready to get to the next one, boys. All
0: right, that sounds good. All right, so that's going to do it for uh, segment one, obviously about the NFL. When we come back, we're going to get into the NBA and kind of talk about um, something that has to do with the NBA but has to do with – boxing and UFC fighting. So when we come back, we'll get into that on the second segment of the Sports Fever.
3: And we're back with this edition of the Sports Fever. Let's send it back to our hosts now.
0: Welcome back to the Sports Fever. It's the second segment Of the show. I'm your host, Andy Colsano, and alongside me is Sean Johnson, Don DeRosa, and filling in for no googlada, otherwise known as googs, Tommy Franks. So, time to talk NBA. And to kind of, I guess, begin the conversation, there was news that came out regarding former NBA player Darren Williams and former NFL running back Frank Gore. And they are they are going to be boxing each other. Um, I want to say this weekend or in a couple weeks. It was just announced uh, that these two will be fighting in the earlier match uh, card, um, which I believe is headlined by Fury. Um, this is kind of interesting. Like I said, it's uh, it's purely for entertainment. Um, Frank Gore is one of the all-time running backs in the NFL. He ranks third in rushing yards by a running back. And Darren Williams, three-time all-star point guard, uh, was an Olympic gold medalist on the 2008, and I want to say the 2012, also Olympic team, played for the Utah Jazz, uh, played for my New Jersey slash Brooklyn Nets, and completely just swindled the crap out of us. And um, after that, he was kind of just... um, a uh, foregone conclusion kind of as a player, and it kind of just uh, went off into the sunset. And we haven't heard from him since until now. So this fight is happening. Uh, just real quick, who do you guys have in this fight? I'll tell you right now, I got Frank Gore. I don't want Darren Williams to win. This man almost wrecked the franchise, and Sean Marks had to resurrect it. I blame D-Will, swindled us out of $100 million, completely ruined us, Frank Gore all the way.
1: I can't disagree. I think, I think on a side... When you analyze this from a size matchup, um, just purely on size, right, and nothing else, um, you could be like Anthony and have spite. But, but really, when you look at size, Frank Gore just dominates. I, I mean, you talk about dense uh, density. You want to talk about? I think height. I could be wrong. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe Darren Williams is a little taller.
0: But overall, maybe a couple inches.
1: Yeah, density. I Frank Gore all the way. I think that makes such a big impact in in something like this fight. I think Frank Gore is without a doubt stronger, especially in the lower body, to um, withstand this sort of a fight. Um, you know, he can move around much better. I think. I uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, Frank Gore is the easy pick for me, and I'm sure when betting odds come out, he will be the favorite. That's almost a guarantee in my mind. Um, yeah, I, I'd ride Frank Gore. I don't. I can't see a basketball players don't have a history of of a good history of knocking out or winning, uh, boxing matches. From what I've noticed. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at uh. Nate Robinson.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty bad. I remember really watching that fight. He got clocked. Oh yeah. Out, out, that was rough. But Sean, who do you have in this one?
3: Oh uh, yeah, I'm I'm all Frank Gore too. I mean, when he was in the NFL, he was known for just, like, running dudes over and just being this tank. You know, he wasn't he wasn't as elusive as he is, like, you know, a monster when he's got the ball. And I just cannot see Darren Williams, you know, doing anything to him, to be completely honest.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know. I, I was shocked when I saw Darren Williams, like, fighting, too. Like, you haven't... I, I don't know it's just why like I it's just
3: know. the thing right now people think they can box because
0: everyone of jake paul try. everyone wants to try and make yeah. money that's all it is yeah, exactly they want to be like jake paul they want to be like the paul brothers but you know i think with jake i think more jake paul than Paul. i think jake paul is taking a lot more seriously and putting in the work we're starting to kind of see that
3: yeah absolutely and you know that's something that i've kind of gotten on jake paul about before in the past is that like oh you think you can just come into this sport and you think you can uh, you know do it on the big stage with all these big people but i mean he's kind of shown that you know he's not that bad at it which is crazy that i'm even saying but uh you know you see people come in and they just don't look good at all like nate robinson he did not have the right techniques and stuff to be boxing, and it completely showed. And, uh, you know, Jake Paul did. and He sat him down. So it's going to be really interesting because uh, a lot of people think when it comes to, like, street fighting or just, like, you know, just boxing in general that they can. Uh, so we'll see if either Darren Williams or, or uh, Frank Gore have what it takes.
0: No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so we'll definitely be on the lookout for that fight. Um, hopefully I get to watch it. I'll probably illegally stream it somehow or Mm. catch the highlights one way or another. I'm not paying pay-per-view type money to watch that fight. That's just a waste. Anyone who pays pay-per-view money, uh, you're just throwing money down the drain. That's all I'm going to say. But anyway, going, uh, kind of in the NBA now, uh, kind of one thing I kind of want to talk about is these, uh, foul call, uh, rules. Uh, we're a little, we're about almost a month into the season. Um with these new rules in place where kind of now now shooters who used to be able to kind of draw fouls and, you know, kind of lean into the defender and get and get the blown whistle It's not happening anymore for guys like James Harden, Steph Curry, Trey Young. Um, it's just not happening anymore. They've had to adapt. James Harden has been on the record saying that he has to adapt. Um, you know, you know, you really can't complain anymore. It kind of is what it is now in the NBA. It's not changing, it's not going away. Um so I kind of want to get your guys' takes on that. Uh, I personally like it. I believe it brings back more integrity to the game. And it shows that, you know, it really shows who's who's really great at offense in this game. You know, because I've said it before how people would say, oh, James Harden's so great. The guy went to the line 16 times per game, like before this rule was in place. That's why his averages were so high points-wise. So you're seeing his average points go down a couple other player's points but you're seeing the guys like Kevin Durant and Steph Curry who obviously would like that but can still put up crazy numbers without needing that help from the from the referee.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, I do like the new rule change. I think it affects a lot of a lot of guards um and like you mentioned in the negative way. Uh points trends obviously going down like you said. Uh yeah, I I do like it because it, I think what it does ultimately, what it's going to do, it's going to force, it's going to make defend, it's going to empower defenders a lot more. It's going to, it's going to send a message to defenders and say, hey, look, we want to go back to a more physical style of basketball. And I think we're seeing that, uh, that emergence now, especially what we saw after uh, Jokic in Denver um, the other day. I don't know if we're going to jump to that topic or not, but. That was
0: so uncalled for. I don't know why right. he able-checked the crap out of more or,
2: or. Martin Morris, Morris. Yeah.
1: but but more to the point, right? Like, you see these sort of things, and all that says to me is that the NBA is eliminating that, and you see what Jokic went through. Only a one-game suspension, by the way. It wasn't like three. It wasn't five. It was a one-game suspension and a minor fine. So the way the way I'm viewing this is it looks like the NBA is trying to bring back a more physical form of basketball, which I think is desperately needed. Especially, we don't. No one, nobody pays. No one pays thirteen thousand dollars to sit courtside and watch players shoot free throws. They pay to watch good basketball, competitive basketball, and strong defense. And I think that's what you're going to see ultimately um, with these new rule changes in place. I think it's already happening. Really, to be honest with you.
3: Uh, you know what? It's it's been really frustrating in the past watching these foul calls happen. Um, you know, as a Knicks fan, I don't know about you, Tommy. What, what, what fan are you?
1: I don't have a basketball team. Okay, that's not. fine.
3: Um, but, you know, as a Knicks fan, going through that uh, playoff series with Trey Young, it was so frustrating seeing him. All you have to do is drive in the lane, throw your body one way, and you're going to the line. So, you know, it's, it's just really frustrating. It's, a, it's That's not how basketball is p- supposed to be played. So, you know, it's, it's definitely great that these refs are starting to not call these fouls. And people like Westbrook, Uh, Even some of the top scorers, like Bradley Beal, uh, James Harden, we mentioned um, James Harden is the absolute worst with it. I know we were highlighting him, but uh, Mm -hmm. you can just see the way he plays. Like if you, if you have like a single finger on him, he's going to throw his hands in the air. He's going to pretend he's getting fouled as hard as possible. That is just not basketball. I hate watching that. And I am so glad that the rest are not calling this And that they're getting really pissed about it. The players.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah because i think you're right i think i think james harden realized that kind of early on in his career that this is a tag that he could use to his advantage and now they kind of took that away from him so we're kind of starting to see kind of the true uh james Harden. um he's still putting up like you know pretty good numbers you know he just had a triple double against the magic i mean the magic aren't a great team but still like 17 11 11 is pretty good um but we're not seeing the 35. 10 and 15 from him anymore that's just never going to happen again he's not getting to line anymore like you said you know you put a finger on him and he's not getting the calls anymore mm-hmm. um and he said that he's going to have to adapt and i'm glad that he's kind of owning up to it now because he knows it's not changing so you know hopefully um he changes for my sake but i think like you guys said, i think it's good for the nba i think we're back to a more realistic game and a more fast-paced game, which I think is what the NBA was trying to do at the end of the day, is make it more fast-paced and not make the last three minutes of a game prolong for 25 minutes. I think that was also a big thing too. Uh, Moving on, this is kind of something I've noticed. um, I've heard people talk about it. It's in regards to LeBron James. Um, LeBron James has been out the last couple of games. He's had this core injury that's been kind of hindering him. And people are saying that um, he's starting to look human you know, his whole superhuman that he's this basketball facade and God. um, I think it's past him. I think he's human. And um, if you guys recall, he had that really nasty ankle injury last year and he went on the record and said, I'll never be a hundred percent again, kind of after that injury. And I remember thinking to myself, Oh my God, this is the beginning of the end for LeBron James. Like the end is like you could, when he said that I literally was like, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel for him. So, you know he's been out a couple times. To- he's been out a couple times. The Lakers have not been playing well. They've uh, blown two leads to the Thunder. Sorry, Sean. By the way, because you all had a bet that you were riding, and me and Tommy were Dude. on the phone thinking about it, and we're like, "Oh, all right, Sean's don't fine. The, the Lakers going to win." And then I wake up and I'm like, "Oh my god!"
1: I think we were sweating the Suns for him more than anything, more yeah. so that I, and I, then I jumped I in on the Suns. I I jumped in on the Suns at halftime, and that was. Uh, no I uh, thought was something I didn't regret,
3: <laughs> yeah, sorry, Sean. Uh, I mean the th- I forgot what the other three games that I bet before that were, but I mean, those were the games I should have been sweating. They were all you know plus odds, mm-hmm. and uh they were all favorite or non favorites, I'm sorry, they were all underdogs, and I'm like, oh gosh, like you know, just get through this and then oh okay then then I can you know relaxed during the Suns and the Lakers. And it was the complete opposite. I was completely fine during the other end. And then I was, you know, a nervous wreck during the the, the uh, bottom half of that. And then, of course, the Thunder ended up winning. Mm. Oh, that was so frustrating. I'm sorry, Russell Westbrook is the biggest choke artist. He's terrible.
0: Yeah, fantasy-wise, though, he's playing all right, according to records. Yeah,
3: he's great fantasy-wise, but, I mean, oh, did you did you guys see the end of that game? Yes. He, I, literally,
0: he, literally, he literally drives in and just loses the ball the and ball. just is like, what happened?
3: Threw the ball out of bounds in a tight – no. Was they down two at that time? <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, okay. it's
3: like under a minute left. I think there was under 30 seconds left and yep. he did that. Terrible player. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's so Dude, bad. Dude, his shot. Number one, his shot's left. Like, why is he taking the last shot? Why is he taking the last shot? Oh, my goodness. I was fuming. They they inbound the ball with, ball to him with eight seconds left. He dribbles around for seven and then takes a bad shot. He's Westbrook. Oh, I okay, you know what? This topic for another time because I will rant for
0: thirty minutes. But oh, no! My because no,
1: this goodness. is good. We we get we get Sean to vent, we allow Sean to vent.
0: And- yeah, we, we get we get oh, Sean man. riled with this one. No, riled this is out. good. Sean can I'm air his
1: you. Sean can air what he was um holding back. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, he has to let um, it all off your chest. <laughs> I don't know if that would fly so well over the the internet.
0: <laughs> you can only go so far with that. No, but I mean, but but going back to, I mean, look. You know these injuries now with LeBron. You know it kind of shows the fact that one, it's a my fact he's human. You know he's not the same player anymore, and that this Lakers team is now is, is pretty old. You know he's about to be thirty seven. You know I know 80's is kind of unfortunate. He's the young one, but he's not that young either, and he's yep. had a, his fair share of injuries. Yeah, Carmelo Anthony, who's playing pretty well, but no one knows how long his shooting is going to last. Dwight Howard's you know, a couple of back surgeries. He's not the best. um, He's not the son that he once was. And they lost the young people like Kyle Kuzma, Montretero and Alex Caruso, who were key pieces in their championship team in 2020 as utility guys. And, you know, they are too top heavy to a point where um it's just not clicking. And without LeBron kind of managing that and having to be on the sideline, it, it hurts them. You know, we have, we've seen it like we just talked about. And, um, and I keep repeating myself, but look, I think it's the end of LeBron as as the as as this basketball god. Is it too early to say that? You think? I think so. You think it's too
1: early? Uh,
3: for sure. Um, I don't. I don't think this is so. the end of him being, you know, indestructible. Okay. You know, a lot of people face injuries in their career. Um, he's still doing the same stuff on the court. I mean, he's still an animal. He's still LeBron. You know he's facilitating, he's scoring well, every every field he's still checking those boxes. It's just now the injuries are you know lingering around a little bit more than they did in the earlier part of his career. So I wouldn't say it's the end of him. It's just if he can stay on the court, he's okay.
1: Which he's been his entire we, it, throughout his entire yeah, career. It, he did like that. This, this I, is I never. To say, yeah. This has hardly been an issue. He looks slower to me, and has looked slower over the years. Like he doesn't look at the same in terms of speed. But in terms of health like he's looked he's been fairly good his entire career.
0: Yeah, well, I mean yeah, he, he never
3: a, Yeah, he never had a big injury, really. Yeah.
0: No, he never did. He
3: would just miss a few games here and there.
0: Yep. But well, I'm saying, well, well, I mean, well, hang on. Well, let's think about this. 2019, he's out the entire season, right? He had that nasty injury on Christmas, missed the rest of the season, and the Lakers don't make the playoffs. Following year, obviously the the corona hits and um they have some time off and they win the championship during that pandemic season last season he has that horrific ankle injury and says he'll never be 100 i think you i think you guys said it right he's no longer indestructible you know because i would always see him like to me like it's weird i would i would picture this in my head like he got hurt and he'd be down and then he'd like walk it off and it'd be like like, I don't know, like some Marvel type shit where just like, he'll just like get like repaired like instantly and then just be back to himself like playing 100%. Like it was just weird to think and see, but it would happen. But I think now that's no longer happening anymore. And, and he does invest a lot of money in his body. invest well over a million dollars every year to make sure that he's right, which I think is genius by him. I think if you are an athlete to that stature and have that much money, right, why wouldn't you invest that much money into yourself you know? Oh, totally. So it's kind of the smart thing to do. Um, but I do see where you guys can learn from. I just think that with kind of Kevin Durant kind of doing what he's doing, and kind of these young guys kind of coming up and coming up pretty fast. I think that the end is near, uh, of his reign of dominance in the NBA. That's that, that, that's just me.
1: Yeah, I I think that's the same thing Sean said. Maybe to some effect in terms of he's not going to be this indestructible guy. I don't Mm -hmm. think. Right? Like we? I think that's what we're saying is that like it seems like with this injury, uh, and the fact that he hasn't been injured throughout his career long term, it just seems like now is the time to maybe be concerned at the fact that maybe he won't be uh, the most dominant player in the NBA. He'll still play a key factor. But he won't be, you know, the number one guy all Mm -hmm. the time. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, because you have people like Giannis and all them.
3: You know, I I still think that he is still going to be upper echelon. Obviously, he won't be number one because, like you said, there's guys that are, you know, younger guys, generational studs. Like, we've got Luca who's becoming a big piece. Uh, Giannis, Giannis. obviously, like you mentioned. Uh, Even people like John Morant. I mean, John Morant's looking great this season. But... You know, like I said, when LeBron is able to stay on the court, which is, unfortunately, during the later part of his career, not as much, I guess these injuries are getting to him a little bit more, um, he's still averaging 25 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. That's a good season for anybody. And, I mean, uh, what is he, 37 now?
0: Yeah, it's going to be 37 in December. the,
3: The fact that he's still doing that is just, I mean, come on. He's he's not he young. is that guy.
0: Yeah, he's, he's not young. I think it's, I think maybe it's the fact that he puts up a high standard on himself that anything less is kind of forgotten. Kind of like Pastor Mahomes in a sense. Now, you know, so I think they're kind of in that same boat. And I think LeBron has been doing it for so long that people are kind of, for at least from for me and my thinking, that I'm just like enamored of the fact that he's not no longer this this freak of nature anymore. Um, in my eyes, and I, you know, he's human, but, you know, uh, kind of wrapping up kind of this NBA segment, uh, I want to get into kind of the showstopper of this NBA season. That is Steph Curry. Um, this man has, you would think that his, that he had his time in the sun winning the back to back MVPs, going to four, what was it? 15 16 70 18 um going to five straight finals and winning three you think it'd be over but no this man has carried this Warriors team putting up insane offensive numbers uh people are already favoring him to win the MVP and people are saying that when Clay comes back they're going to be dangerous and that they could possibly win it all uh Sean I know you have also heard those rumblings as well I mean do you do you buy in that Steph could win his third MVP? I know, I know, Absolutely. we're pretty early on.
3: I mean, do you see what he's doing so far? It's, I mean, the man just dropped fifty points about a day or two ago. Mm-hmm. I, he's still going. It's ridiculous. I mean, nobody can. The me watching him, it's just like uh, he. It's like he's not even trying to make it when he's just he chucks it up. It's it's ridiculous watching him play, and I mean. Uh, he, he's looking like he's having another MVP season.
0: Mm-hmm. And he almost went it last year too, but I feel like because he got hot so late, that's kind of what killed him. But uh, but Tommy, I mean, you know, like he said, this man dropped already 50 points. Um, he's leading this young team without Clay. And I mean, I've read a report kind of also that Clay could be coming back before Christmas, which could be huge for this team. Um, that's everything. I mean, I mean, do you think they can make it out of the West? It's kind with, of a big, it's a bold statement.
1: With Clay Thompson, they can, without a doubt, in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. I, you I mean? I and mean, it's so easy to predict now. Steph getting fifty points in a game that even Candace, like Candace Parker, former WNBA, uh, WNBA player, uh, nailed it uh, the other night. I think on the TNT broadcast. Um, yeah, uh, no, I, I think, I think uh, Steph is still doing what he's been doing his entire career, and no, there's no doubt in my mind he looks the same. And if he continues, with or without Clay, I think there's still a chance for the Warriors to make the playoffs to come out of the West. I think that's a that's a toss up, and I think it's going to depend on a lot of factors. I think lack of experience, I think, will play a, a big factor in terms of whether or not they make it. Um, but again, mm. that that makes that's more to the point, right? That Clay Thompson um, will be heavily relied on when he does indeed come back.
0: Yeah, for sure, and then that's kind of the big question mark is it, if and when he does come back, whether it be before or after Christmas, is that what kind of player is he going to be? Is he going to be his old self? Is he going to be kind of a shell of himself? Is he going to be half the player? Is he going to be a mix between kind of this of what he was and then what he now is? Right. You know, it's just it's just a big question of having those two horrific injuries, both an ACL tear and an Achilles tear um, in two separate uh, legs. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but I think with that being said, we're going to wrap it up with our NBA segment for this week of the sports fever. Uh, When we come back, our third and final segment of the show, uh, talking about major league baseball, the BBWAA awards were just announced uh, earlier this week. Uh, The five, three finalists for each of the big awards, NL MVP, AL MVP, NL and AL Cy Young rookie of the year and manager of the year. We're going to go through the list give our winners or give not a give our winners give our prediction of who will win and then we will see the results next week so when we come back our predictions on the mlb awards
2: and we're back with this edition of the sports fever let's
3: send it back to our hosts now
0: Welcome back to the Sports Fever. It's the third and final segment of the show. I'm your host, Andy Colsono. And alongside me for this segment is Don DeRosa and Tommy Franks. Sean, unfortunately, had to step away as he did not have dinner yet. And we were recording this on a Wednesday night. And it is currently 10 o'clock at night (laughs) as we're recording this. So Sean has an interesting eating schedule. But nevertheless, that man's got to get his food because eating is important. Got to stay healthy, strong, and alive. But anyway, uh, MLB talk, uh, just some quick things. Obviously, um, when we recorded the show last week, we were watching the Braves game six, and they won that game, shutting out the Astros, and they became the World Series champions. Now, guys, I know we talked about this on our other podcast, Swing the Twig, but, um, you know, real quick, Braves world champions. Um, Quick thoughts on them being the crowned the official best team in baseball at the end of 2021.
1: I said about the Braves uh, on the podcast, by the way, at the Swing the Twig pod on Instagram, and you can get the link to our link tree on there. Um, the Braves just had a lot of great uh, two out hitters. They had a lot of guys that wanted it. And they had an offense that really clicked at the right time, I think. And you see that a lot of the time in baseball. You certainly saw it with the Braves. And Anthony, we'll get into this probably, I'm sure. But the Braves, man, they, they, had, they did it with such a small payroll compared to you know a team like the Dodgers or our team, the Yankees. Like What struck me about the Braves is that they had guys that cared. And they had guys that, that were clutch and can come through uh, when it mattered most.
2: Dom clutch man. I mean, Soler, one of my favorite players to watch, beast motor activated. Uh, you know, it just shows you your baseball and you don't have to have you know 100 wins to look competitive. I mean, this team lost one of their star players, have the best in baseball, and win 88 games. Uh, and you know, turned a lot, proved a lot of haters and doubters wrong. I mean, including myself. Uh, didn't do a lot. Weren't that active in free agency of last year. Trade deadline that changes, and uh, good for both men. I mean, uh, the the way they just played all around, and they just played better.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. To your guys' point, I mean, look, they they were kind of in the mid tier in payroll, and I think them being big players in the trade deadline showed that they were serious about possibly kind of making this final push and trying to at least make the playoffs, let alone win the whole thing but you know i think at the end of the day you know things kind of have to fall in place you do have to get lucky here and there cuz it's just, it's not all it's just like right like the best teams are going to win rarely that does happen this happened in a few instances where that where the best team on paper it just literally just steamrolls everybody um right. you know they got you know they got lucky i think they got lucky with the fact that the Mets did collapse the fact that the Dodgers and Giants had to play um in the um or one of them had to play in the wild card game and then they face each other kind of in that game that's the five series in the division series because of how the playoff format is now um and that kind of helped them out because of the fact that even though they had 88 wins and the Dodgers and Giants had over 100 they still were able to get home field advantage because they won their division so those little things like that played in their which is why at the end of the day they were world champions and also too they got hot at the right time You know, any team that gets hot during the playoffs you know you're bound to win um, because it's a whole new season anything the regular season gets wiped clean doesn't matter no one gives a fuck about it anymore playoff baseball you go big or you go home Um, moving on in regards to the world's past the world series as we're now kind of officially in the offseason we talked about this last week on swing the twig the new CBA agreement is currently um, kind of in the works and it's kind of pending um our good friend uh jeff was telling us that uh it hasn't read they haven't reached an agreement and this could delay um not only the regular season but possibly free agency if an agreement doesn't get put in place um you know we've seen this a couple times um in baseball there's been strikes there's been lockouts that's happened in other sports too i know it's happened in the nba um I don't know if about the NHL. I could, it did. you can correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, it did. Okay, um, so it did happen there. So, um, do you guys think that we will get? We will. Do you think we will reach an agreement in time so that the regular season does not get delayed by any stretch of the imagination? Or do you think we're going to have a delayed uh, regular season?
2: Yeah, no one our love is going to be delayed. I mean, I'm not so confident. We're lucky we had a season in 2020 because, you know, Fire Union and everything was also doing it, not just COVID that was starting up. Uh, so that was, no matter what, baseball was going to be delayed in 2020 uh, with those two issues. I wouldn't be surprised if we had a delay. I wouldn't.
0: Tommy.
1: Yeah, I, I generally feel the same way. Like, like it's, yeah, I it's hard. It's hard, but at the same time, it depends you know, I could see a delay. I can't see a season shutdown. Obviously, obviously, we haven't seen a season shutdown like that uh, in quite some time, if not many, many decades. Certainly not in our lifetime. Um, because ultimately, what happens is uh, the league cannot ju- cannot keep losing money in those situations, and that's what happens. And when when you don't, you're not playing games, and you know, as we always say, there's no asses in the seats. Uh, the league loses money. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets delayed, but I'm sure it will not be for very long if it does. um, So, you know, figure the season starts in like April, uh, early April or April 1st. uh, It's pretty safe to assume that it could uh, probably start, if it's going to be delayed, probably early summer. I'd say like May, no longer than like a month or two.
0: Gotcha. Because yeah, it has to. Because I'm just saying delay. Because in the the right, if free agency gets delayed, then that means spring training gets delayed, and that means the regular season gets delayed. So Correct. that's why I'm saying that because it all kind of trickles down to it. That's true. It's, like a, it's a domino effect. So that's why I say that. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully you know the players' union, the owners, the commissioner can all reach an agreement so that we as fans can enjoy a full. Off season, spring training, regular season, playoffs, all that sort of thing for the next couple of years because these happen like once every five to ten years these agreements. So, and hopefully there's new things put in play that uh, that we want to be in play. For example, the universal DH. Hopefully that gets put in play and um, other things as well. But we'll have to wait and see in regards to that. Um, and to kind of just wrap up the show, um, the big MLB awards, the BBWAA awards were announced. The finalists um the top three were for all the big categories so we're just going to give our picks uh on who we think um is going to win them um sean unfortunately like i said earlier uh had to leave uh the show uh so he couldn't be with us on the third segment but he was able to give me the picks before he left so we'll start with the NONVP. nvp the finalists that were announced were Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals, Bryce Harper of the Philadelphia Phillies, and Fernando Tatis Jr. of Dom San Diego Padres. Dom has Juan Soto winning the NL MVP. Dom, I go to you, and I already know who you're going to pick.
2: You already know I'm picking Fernando. Come on, All right. Uh, do you think he Dom, deserves it, Dom.
1: Dom? Dom, do you think he deserves it, though?
2: I do. I do. I, I really do. I mean, the guy... For the bases, he steals. He you can tell he's an impact on the team. I think it's tighter between him and Harper, let alone Soto. I think Soto is great with you know plate discipline and everything. I just think he showed up a little late to the party. Um, not saying that his stats were not there. I just think it's going to be between Tatis and Harper on this one.
0: Tommy, oh, that's such a hard decision because this is hard because none of these players like had like got their team to the playoffs. <laughs>
1: See what keeps me from picking Tatis as much as I love the guy. I you know I drove three out three and a half hours to watch him play um, in Washington. Right. No, I love the dude, but I mean, I mean, I can't. So I can't pick Tatis to win just because he was out for so long. Like it's like that's the part. <laughs> like, but see, that's the part that that keeps me from picking him is just because you know. He was out for so long, right? And when he was out for so long, you saw Bryce Harper coming through for the Phillies um when they had a division lead for a while. Just the just the timing was so good. Juan Soto's also, I think, had a significant um role as well for the Nats. I think the Nats are dead without Juan Soto. Um, especially after that fire sale. It's hard, dude. I'm not saying it's a clear cut case against Tatis. I'm just saying it's 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 hard to go. It's hard to go with Tatis um, considering his injuries this past season and then looking at the performances of guys like Harper and Soto during that time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm going with Harper on this one. I was going to go with Tatis because of the fact that with all the injuries he sustained, he still put up MVP numbers, which is impressive. Like that's the Mm -hmm. only thing you could kind of give to him in terms of what benefited him from being injured was he was still able to smack forty bombs and hit two ninety um, with all the injuries. But I think Harper, kind of for one, however you want to put it, during later half of the summer, kind of put the team on his back. He did, and really showed why he is why he signed that ten year three hundred million dollar contract with the team, and it's starting to come to fruition. I feel like he's. I feel like at that moment, people were starting to see him really become a Philadelphia Philly and really show up and show out. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, he I mean, look, he I mean, I mean, he wasn't that injured. He and Dom, to your point, you know, kind of got hot at the right time. And I know the Braves won the division and they kind of teetered off because no one else besides him could really carry the team. But I think I think Harper could get a second MVP this season, but this is tough because all these players were had interesting upbringings. You know, Tatis had the injuries. Harper kind of got hot pretty late, and Soto was just on a crappy team.
2: Yeah, but it's tough. I I, I get it. Like I'm not taking anything away from either one of those guys, but the fact that Tatis put up the same stats in most categories with them and so many little, like, less games. That just shows you what could he have done with a full, you know, 150 to 162. I, I, I get it. I wouldn't be mad at all if Harper got it. I'm kind of trying to take the team on his back except for the last series with the Phillies. Um, but at the end, it's going to be real tight. So, yeah. No.
1: no, I was going to ask, uh, when we debate MVP... Do we consider the team's performance?
2: Nah.
0: I think you gotta put that to some perspective. Yeah. Nah. So where's
1: the it, to, it, it it has it has to be right. it has to be effective. All
0: three teams missed.
1: So where's the fine line ultimately? Yeah, the fine line. No, in term no, no, I'm serious. In terms of Yeah. Where's the fine line in terms of like, okay, we evaluate a player's performance and their contributions to a team. On top of that, where did the team actually go? You know what I mean? None of
2: them went anywhere.
1: It's true. So, I guess, how would you evaluate? Like, like the Nationals as an example. This is why we kind of root out Juan Soto, right, Anthony? Just because the Nationals were such a bad
0: team. Yeah, and I think Juan Soto had to put up insane numbers. Like Trout, like, like Trout did when he won his three MVPs, right? Like, that's the reason why he won was because, like, the Angels were terrible, but he put up ridiculous numbers. It was hard not to pick him. Right. So... I think right. We all think it's too close to call. We all kinda of picked um different players. So I would we'll say Harp just... I would say Harper though. Yeah, I mean he just got I mean, I had Tatis until Harper got hot and then when and then I don't know, it's just when the Padres kinda of collapsed and I know it wasn't all Tatis's fault, but I mean I don't know. In that sense, right? He's the leader. He's the young leader. I know it's Machado, but it's it's him as
2: well. It's gonna be so age. good. Hmm. It's gonna be such a good MVP race.
0: Oh yeah, it is. I think this this might be one of the tightest ones we had in a long time, um, but the AL one might not be as so tight. We have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Shohei Otani, and Marcus Simeon. Um, Sean obviously picked Shohei. Um, I I want to pick Vlad, but I know Shohei's gonna win, so I'm gonna pick Shohei. Tommy, who do you Steve have here? I.
1: You make a good point about Trout and how he got the MVPs, putting up ridiculous numbers despite you know the Angels' lackluster performance overall, um, which is what convinces me more to go to Otani because I think outside of Otani. Uh, you don't see much of anything. Obviously, Mike Trout's hurt, so he's kind of out of this. Uh, he was hurt, at least. Um, so he's kind of out of this discussion with the Angels. Angels just didn't look like a good team this year, um, clearly. Um, besides, of course, Otani. And I think the one part that leans to Shohei is just, obviously, you know, I don't have to go through it. I mean, the fact that he's got the pitching and the hitting. And that, and that his hitting is, is incredible. And his pitching, he can throw over 100. Um,
0: and he was must see TV.
1: And he was must see TV. Exactly. What got me looking at uh, Vlad was the very fact that the Blue Jays were in such a tight hunt in in what was, in my opinion, the toughest division in all of baseball, the AL East, because you got four, you had four solid, really solid teams in that division um, for for this entire season, and that's something you don't see a lot. And Vlad put the team on his back. Granted, Semyon did a good job as well with that. But I think uh, Vladdy had a great role. Um, I had to give it to Shohei, though, but it, it, it took a lot of uh,
0: convincing in my mind. Don, you picked Shohei too, correct? Sadly. Yeah. I think, look, I think Vlad is going to win an MVP in his career. Oh, certainly. He's only 22. Multiple. Like, yeah. he is, this is just the beginning. Like, if he's already in the top three in MVP already, he's already better than his father his father wasn't even like this at his age. And and I mean, obviously his father won the MVP in 2004 with the angels, but um, he was not nearly this good at this point in his career compared to where his son is. So it's only the beginning of not only his first one, but maybe more down the line in the future for Vlad and Marcus Simeon. Like he put up the most home runs by any second baseman MLB history, but I just think with Vlad, Having the higher on percentage and home runs, and Shohei having the dual threat that he had, it's just gonna, it's probably gonna put him in third place, unfortunately. Uh, but moving on, Al Cy Young, Garrett Cole, Robbie Ray, and Lance Lynn. Sean picked Robbie Ray of the Blue Jays to take on the crown. Tommy, I have a gut feeling. I know who you're going with.
1: Uh, I think they're gonna pick Ray. I think they're gonna pick Ray. Like, I think ultimately he's gonna win um just because of how the second half went down and everything um okay i mean i got to pick i here's the thing you told like it's it's a hard decision for me i love garrett cole i'm the biggest garrett cole fan um i still am despite everything that happened um you know but you know cuz he's one of many that were in the situation uh that took advantage of the sticky stuff but regardless sure. of, aside from all of that um garrett cole like with his dominance on the Yankees was just fantastic for the most part. Um, and then, you know, I think, but I think the part that leans me towards Robbie Ray is just the fact that he had such a great year, um, contributing for Toronto. He didn't have that great of a start. I don't think he did. Um, you know, I was at a game where he got rocked in, in a doubleheader in, in Yankee stadium. Um, but regardless of that, I thought Ray pitched really well the entire year. I thought that was actually his worst start that I saw. Um, but Garrett Cole, I think the way I think it, you can make a solid case for Cole, um, just the way the seat the end of the season went for him, in terms of not to mention I know the wild card game doesn't matter in this discussion because we're talking about the regular season, um, but still look at his ERA in those starts. I mean, his one really solid in towards the end of the year. I mean, his one solid start he had in the second half of the year that you could point to and be like. That's a Cy Young winner. That was against the Angels, where he threw, I think, 16 strikeouts. It's just a hard decision. And I, I think Robbie Ray is going to win, and, you know, I think if it wasn't for those few starts that Cole had that really struggled, that he really struggled in, um, I think, like especially in Fenway, the one, the one game and the last game they played in the regular season that mm-hmm. he started in, um, I would lean Robbie Ray. But it's, it's a very hard uh, decision, but I'd lean Robbie Ray.
0: I'm leaning Robbie Ray too. Just unfortunately, the second half. Unfortunately, only, unfortunately, Hey, it's Cole is north of four towards the second half of the season. Exactly. So that's why? Exactly. Um, Dom, who do you have in this one?
2: Uh, give me Scherzer. Sadly,
0: Ooh, he's going to go with number four for Scherzer. All right. What about you, Tommy?
1: I have to agree. I like Scherzer. I like Scherzer when he was on the Nats. I like Scherzer especially. Um his first what three or four starts with the Dodgers when he got when he had what? A point a eight ERA? Guy's filthy. Um, I mean, it's just impressive. And and he didn't even lose a beat when he came to LA. I think mean, that's a big shift from from one coast to the other. And to do what he did and continue that into the postseason, I think overall he had an excellent uh regular season. I'd give it to the Scherzer all the way.
0: Damn. All right. All right. Well, they're riding that thing. They're riding that wave. So that one's kind of a split, in a way. Everyone has at least one of the candidates. So we'll see who comes out on top. Moving on, AL Manager of the Year. We got Seattle Mariners Scott Severus, Dusty Baker of the Houston Astros, and Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays. Dama, go to you on this
2: one. You know, give me Kevin Cash. Uh, 100 wins, first ever in the Rays franchise. I don't know. They didn't really do anything big as they lost to Boston, but uh, Kevin Cash was giving the one. I think.
1: Give me Aaron Boone. No, I'm kidding. Um, Houston. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Dusty. I look. Dusty Baker is someone I I've respected for a very long time uh, as a manager and what he did with the Astros. Not just this. I know we're talking about this year mainly, but last year especially, kind of uh, sweeping their reputation under the rug. And kind of just focusing on the game of baseball, which, you know, to his credit, he did an excellent job of, um, I thought, overall. And I think he guided them in the right direction, the players especially. Um, Yeah, I'd have to give it to Dusty. I think he's done that since he got there. It's the reason why he got a one-year extension in Houston. Uh, Dusty all the way. I like Kevin Cash as a manager, though, Uh, sort of, but not really personally. But as a manager, I can respect where he comes from. But Dusty Baker wins this, in my opinion.
0: All right. Um, I got to go with uh, the odd man, Scott Severus. Okay. Um, I think that what he did with that Mariners team uh, was just great, kind of igniting life in them and them almost having a shot of making the playoffs the first time since 2001 um, was just great. Um, I was rooting for them hard towards the end of the season, even though the Yankees were also in a dogfight with them. I was still kind of rooting that um, we would get to play them even though they didn't happen, they kind of fell apart on this last couple of games. But the fact that that this was a team coming into the season that didn't have a lot of expectations, let alone make the playoffs or have a winning record and get put in that position where they're literally like two or one and a half games out of making it um, is just great with not a lot of superstar talent. I mean, they don't have like Shohei or... That Guerrero or Aaron Judge on their team, right? They got guys like Mitch Haniger and Kyle Seager and kind of these utility role-player guys who kind of just fit in and just do their thing. Um, and it was just more of a team coming together and just putting together some wins, kind of like the Braves were doing, uh, you know, when Acuna went down, but they did it to a much more obviously higher degree as they were world champions at the end of the day. Um, but that's why I want to get it to Scott Severus in my opinion, Um, But anyway, moving on to NL Manager of the Year, we got Craig Council of the Muck Brewers, Gabe Kapler of the San Francisco Giants, and Mike Schild of the San Francisco Francisco Giants. Uh, Mike Schild of the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, I'm going to go with Gabe Kapler on this one, the San Francisco Giants. No one thought in their right mind this team would make the playoffs, let alone winning even 100 games. And they made the playoffs and won 100 games. And Gabe Kapler flips his reputation around as being a good manager because when he was with the Phillies, people hated him. They thought he was a bad manager, couldn't do it. When he signed with the Giants, people were like, "Why? Like, like this was a stupid move." But look what he did with this team. He kind of resurrected them from the dead, in a, to a certain extent, and now they're back to being in the elite category once again, uh, Dama, go to you on this one. Who do you have?
2: Yeah. Gabe Kapler. No one thought the giants would be doing any of this. Probably he's going to feel really good with the cherry on top for Kapler as the Phillies did not work out. I don't think the whole Girardi situation is also working out. They are flipping, uh, through managers like SpongeBob, Scrabby patties on a daily basis. All right, Tommy. I,
1: I could not agree anymore with the Gabe Kapler pick. Um, yeah, like I think you said it perfectly, Anthony. Like, like his reputation has been flipped upside down and for the better, or upside up in this case. Uh, mm-hmm. But, it, but you know, I, I just, I think that he's really done a great job with this team, um, working with the players. I think it's similar, like you said, with the utility guys that um, you compared. You talk about Seattle. I, I think the Giants have a similar role um, in terms of their players and and how they work. A lot of them just good utility players. And the thing about the Giants is that they grinded. They could be down three runs in the top of the ninth on the road like they were in Milwaukee, and they could just come right back and take a two-run lead. Those are the kind of things about the Giants that I liked, and I think they can certainly continue into next year. They just re-signed Brandon Crawford. Um, but, yeah, this, this is without a doubt credit to Gabe Kapler, um, and, and, you know, all credit to him. So, yeah, without a doubt, Gabe Kapler.
0: All right uh now final 2 rookie of the years al rookie of the year we got luis garcia randy rosarina and wander franco i think oh, wander wow. franco's going to win i think that I want to say that he put a, he did enough to win. And I was shocked that a Rosarina was in the running for rookie of the year because I totally forgot that he was a rookie because of what he did in the postseason. But I think Juan Franco, with the amount of times this man has been has got on base during the regular season, the streak he had, and just igniting even more life into that race team and pushing them to uh, a division crown. Um, you can make the case that he could win it. Um, but Tommy, do you think that's the case or do you think it's going to go to Rosarina or Garcia?
1: That's a good point you make
0: with the hitting streaks. I thought Wanda
1: Franco was also a clutch hitter. Um, when the Rays needed him and they would be struggling and for the rare times they did and he would come through for them. Uh, he's just a simple contact hitter and you know, you gotta have all the respect for guys like him. Uh, yeah, I, I completely forgot like you did that Rosarino was a rookie. Um, this season, because of the the postseason and things like that, uh, I'd lean, I'd lean Wander Franco. Uh, certainly, uh, he certainly exceeded expectations in his role.
2: All right, Dom, who do you have? Wander over yonder. Yeah, give me Wander Franco. Kids insane. Switch hitter, good defense. Once he got, got called out right away, which is just an absolute stud.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, like the guy was like the number one prospect in the country before coming up. So he kind of lived up to the hype, you know, very few do um, especially right. Especially when they first come onto the scene, right. Sometimes it takes them some time, you know, it was like that for Byron. It was like that for Buxton and Harper. Um, but he just kind of just took it and ran with it. So um, I think that bodes his, his chances even more. And finally, NL rookie of the year uh, Dylan Clarkson, Jonathan India, and Trevor Rogers. Sean has Jonathan India. Oh, and Sean is also, he does have Randy Rosarina for the AL Rookie of the Year. Um, I'm going with Jonathan India. I'm just riding with Sean on this one. He told me about him really early on in the season. He, he even told us in our betting group chat to bet on him to win Rookie of the Year. Um, he was plus odds at the time. Obviously, later on in the season, he was at like minus like 600. So, sportsbooks looked it's to have him as the lock. Um, do you guys see it that way as well, or do you guys have Clarkson or Rogers winning it instead?
1: No, I, I see no reason to doubt Jonathan India. Um yeah, yeah I think he ignited because correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was the leadoff hitter for the Reds um this past season when he was healthy. Uh because and I think he did an excellent job in terms of the the leadership role. wasn't he the leadoff hitter? Now I'm now I'm getting confused.
0: But I I think you're right. I think think, he was. I think
1: he was. Yeah. But but I think just that Reds team. I did first of all. I thought the Reds team was very underrated, despite where they finished. Um, You know. But I think India plays a massive role. You know. He reminded me of like a DJ Lemayu, like from the past couple years before 2021. uh, In that he was just a contact hitter. He got on base. He did his job. He got a lot of extra base hits. Um, I I thought he really he was another guy that really exceeded as a contact hitter and a potential you uh superstar utility player
0: don't mm. have anything to add on uh India
2: or, or- no I mean I got it in India too I mean yeah I, I think that one's probably one of the more favorable ones for uh India himself
0: mm yeah I mean when the books have it at plus 600 like it's or not plus not plus minus 600 he's it's a lot to win it. So, so, you know, we'll see. Uh, but uh the awards are gonna be starting to be announced Monday on November fifteenth. Yes, November fifteenth awards will be announced and it goes Monday through Thursday. So be sure to tune into MLB Network to see the winners if you if you care to, but with that being said, that is going to do it for this edition of the sports fever. Tommy, I thank you for jumping in last minute to join us. It's always a pleasure having you, my friend. Um, so much and fun. we will, and we will do it again on, uh, on swing the twig this week.
1: Absolutely. No, I I love being on here. It's always a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's always great. Thanks for having me again. It's So much fun.
0: Not Thanks, a, problem. Tom. Not a yeah. problem. And we're, and that's going to do it for us. Be sure to check us out on our socials, the sports underscore fever on Instagram, the sports fever one on Twitter. And you can shoot us an email at the sports at gmail.com. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Be sure to tune in next week, Thursdays at noon for another brand new episode.
2: Thank you for listening to this edition of The Sports Fever. Be sure to subscribe to our channel and be on the lookout for new episodes of every
0: podcasting platform that you can think of.